Hey, this is Yolando. This week, Kate and I have been busy preparing our congregations for summer. School is almost out, and that means summer camp and freedom school are upon us. So instead of our regular podcast, here is a sermon preached by me a few weeks ago at Derrida Church. It's a message about anxiety. So many people, including me, are struggling with anxiety and discouragement these days. And if that's you, I hope this message lifts you up. God, we're grateful for your word, your precious, powerful word. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit that we might hear and obey your word. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be with your people in your word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, our Lord Jesus is speaking. Hear now the word of God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. For a long time, I have loved roller coasters. Back in the day, I'd get on any of them. I'd hop on the new ones, the ones made of steel that go real fast and do all kind of loop-de-loops. I'd hop on the old ones, the old wooden ones, you know, the kind that sound like a train barreling down the tracks. I love roller coasters. But there's one ride. There's one ride that deeply terrifies me. Don't judge me. Don't laugh at me. But I am terrified to get on the Ferris wheel. I said, don't laugh at me. Now, why would a Ferris wheel terrify me? It's a simple ride. You just sit on the chair and go round and round on a big wheel. But the last time I got on a Ferris wheel, I was in my early 30s. I sat in the chair and I had a panic attack. When you sit in the Ferris wheel chair, the chair swings back and forth even when the ride is not on. Any motion you make is going to cause the chair to swing. My problem, my problem when I sat down in the chair was that I could not get out of my mind the image of the chair swinging too far forward or too far backward and me falling out of the chair into my doom or onto my doom or to my doom. The image of the worst thing happening was the image I could not get out of my mind. I just saw myself falling, falling, falling out of that chair. Not only that, you can't control the swinging. You can't stop the chair from swinging. In my fear, I grabbed onto the bar in front of me with a kung fu grip. And I tightened every muscle in my body trying to be as still as possible, and the chair kept on swinging. That's terrifying to me, especially when you get to the top of the wheel and you're high in the air. So before the ride even got going, I yelled at the people to let me off the ride. Miss Eva, are you laughing at me? (laughs) Listen, my friends, 
my anxiety got the best of me because of two things. Number one, I could not get the worst case scenario out of my head. Number two, I wanted to have but could not get control over what felt uncertain. That's the heart of anxiety. You're afraid that the worst case scenario that's playing in your head is going to happen. And two, you're in a situation that is uncertain and you cannot control the situation or the people in it. Ever, ever tried to control some people? Ever, ever tried to control the people in your house? I tried it. It don't work. You can't do it. There are a ton of people these days dealing with anxiety, and it's not about a silly Ferris wheel. It's about real life. Did you know that anxiety is categorized as a mental illness? As a matter of fact, today, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., and it's growing not only among adults, but also among teenagers and even children are said to be growing in anxiety. We are living in very anxious and stressful times. We've just come through a global pandemic that shut down much of the world. There is the growing threat of random gun violence. There is increasingly great difficulty in bridging the social and political divisions in the country. There's the effects of climate change. And on top of all of those things, there's your own health, your own relationships, your own financial issues to deal with. No wonder a significant number of people are dealing with anxiety, even in the church and even among pastors. I got to confess to you this morning that anxiety knows my address. Anxiety knows where I live. When caught in the grip of anxiety, that is, the worst case scenario keeps playing in your head, circumstances feel uncertain, you can't get control of those circumstances. When caught in the grip of anxiety, you and I turn to some coping mechanisms that actually make it worse. One, we often worry. We often reinforce the negative and fearful thinking by worrying. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Worrying won't add a single hour to your life. Look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. God takes care of them. You are more valuable than birds and flowers, so God is going to take care of you too. We often practice avoidance. We avoid confronting and dealing with the thing that is making us anxious. I mean, you can pretend you don't have a problem, but ignoring it is only going to make room for the problem to become a bigger problem. Remember that parable Jesus told about the talents given to three servants, talents, unit of money. They were told to put their talents to work. When they were called to give an account, the first servant said, look, I took what you gave me and made more. The second servant said, I took what you gave me and made more. Both, to both was said, well done, good and faithful servant. But the third servant said, I hid my talent in the ground because I was afraid. And that servant received harsh judgment. And in the church, we can always find something to distract us. 
We can always find a reason to avoid the thing that God is telling us to do. Right? Everybody in the church knows Matthew 28, that we are called to go and make disciples, that, that the mission field is out there. And yet churches, we, we can find every excuse to stay on the campus and in the building. Avoidance. It's easy to practice avoidance and not deal with and confront the thing that is causing you anxiety. Third, we often self-medicate. <laughs> we take a simple pleasure and overuse it. We give it too big a place in our lives. We, we use a simple pleasure to try the, to, to numb the pain of our anxiety. We, we overeat. Nobody here does that. Y'all looking at me like, who does that? We overeat. We spend too much. We spend too much time scrolling on Facebook. We sometimes even move over into drug and alcohol abuse. Self-medication, really just another form of idolatry in which you allow something to have a bigger place in your life than it should, a place that only God should occupy. Friends, I'm trying to establish this morning that anxiety is a major spiritual issue that we must deal with. And in our scripture this morning from John 14, we find an awesome antidote for the anxiety that ails us. Jesus had been predicting and revealing to his disciples his impending death by crucifixion. Toward the end of chapter 13, he said to the 12, little children, I am with you only a little longer. Wait, what? What do you mean, Jesus? You're only going to be with us a little longer. Where are you going? Why can't we go with you? What are we going to do? How are we going to make it, Jesus? The disciples were firmly in the grip of anxiety. Look again at what Jesus said to them in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus said, you believe in God. Believe also in me. In your mind, I want you to highlight with a yellow marker, then bold print, and then underline the word believe. That word believe is the key. Track with me this morning. Most of us have an incomplete understanding of the word believe. When we hear the word believe, we think of it primarily as mental assent, mental agreement with a statement. Example, murder is wrong. I believe that. God is good. I believe that. So for most people, believe is something you do from the neck up. It's only a mind thing. It's true. You do need to have your mind engaged. Knowledge, right knowledge, is part of believing, but that's only part of what it means to believe. To believe also means to rest, to stake your life on something, to have confidence and assurance in something. A more, a more, a more, a more uh, encompassing word, maybe even a clearer word for belief, is the word trust. Tr like when you when you fall back and you trust. I believe you're going to catch me, so I'm going to trust that when I fall back, you are going to catch me. I love the story, and I've told it many times about the great tightrope walker who went to Niagara Falls and had a tightrope stretched across Niagara Falls, and he turned around and said to the crowd, 
do you believe that I can walk across this tightrope, walk across the falls? And the people said, we believe, we believe. And he said, do you believe that I can put one of you on my shoulders and carry you across the falls? And the crowd said, we believe, we believe. And then he asked, well, which one of you? Well, let me carry you. And there was silence. They believed from the neck up, but they didn't trust. When the worst case scenario is playing over and over in your head, trust Jesus. When circumstances are uncertain, trust Jesus. When you can't control anything, trust Jesus. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And my brothers and sisters, there are 10,000 reasons to trust Jesus. Our scripture from John chapter 14 gives us three. Let me highlight those three this morning and then I'll be done. In our text this morning, Jesus tells us three things. Number one, trust the promise of heaven. Trust the promise of heaven. Listen again to verses one through three. Hear Jesus speaking directly to you and your anxiety this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. My brothers and sisters, this life is not all there is. In Jesus, you have an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade. There are some things in your life right now that are just, they're just really crummy. But the end of your journey is the Father's house. The last words of Psalm 23 are, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Through Jesus, there is room for you, space for you in the Father's house. Jesus said, if it were not so, if that were not true, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And then he promises, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus has taken the responsibility for getting you to the Father's house. John 10, 27, the Lord Jesus, speaking about his sheep, says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Yes, you ought to, as we say all the time in the church, you ought to do your best to hold on to the Lord's hand. But the comfort, the comfort comes not in how well you're holding on to God's hand. The comfort comes in knowing how well God is holding on to you. He's holding, listen, your hand will, your grip will slip. Your, 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 your grip will get weak. But God is holding on to you and he will not let you go. He won't let you go. 
You say, well, how does this help with anxiety? Listen, if you go to your optometrist and she or he tells you that you are nearsighted, it means that your eyes are focused on what is right in front of you and that what's out in a distance is, is just an unintelligible blur. Anxiety is a kind of spiritual nearsightedness in which you focus on circumstances right in front of your face. And Jesus invites you to see out into the long view of your destiny in heaven. And in the Bible, the Father's house, the Father's house is described as a place of indescribable beauty indescribable glory, indescribable joy, indescribable peace, indescribable pleasure. Trust the promise of heaven. Two, our text tells us this morning to trust the path to heaven. Trust the promise of heaven to trust the path to heaven. Listen again to verses four through six. Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Notice that to his anxious disciples, Jesus did not merely claim to know the answer, he claimed to be the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, that is such an all-encompassing statement. Jesus is not just the path. Jesus is not just the road. Jesus is the car. He's the driver. He's the gas in the tank. And he's the destination. Through Jesus, we already have the greatest comfort, and that is a relationship with God. Through Jesus, we have a relationship with God because he is God. He is the incarnation of Almighty God. Later in our text, Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Just show us the Father. If you show us the Father, then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The Bible says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is, watch this, the image of the invisible God. It says that he is the exact representation of his being, Hebrews 1.3. Colossians 2.9 says that for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form in Christ. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Listen, the answer to the complexities and mysteries of life is not a recipe that you have to try to figure out, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is not to deny the role of therapists and counselors and psychologists, but Jesus gives a comfort and an assurance that can't be found anywhere else. Trust the promise of heaven. Trust the path of heaven. Third and finally, our text tells us this morning to trust 
the power of heaven. Trust the power of heaven. Look again at verses 12 through 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. Wow. To his anxious disciples, Jesus promises power from heaven. They, we, are not left to our own strength and resources. Through Jesus, we have access to power from heaven. And Jesus talks about it in two ways. First, he says, whoever believes, whoever trusts in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Because Jesus died and rose and ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was sent to dwell in those who believe. And Jesus says that we will do what he has been doing and even greater works. Not greater in the sense of better, but greater in the sense of being multiplied. Jesus says that you and I have power from heaven to continue to multiply his work. Not only that, Jesus says if you need anything, if you, how often have you heard someone say to you over the phone or in passing, well, if you need anything, call me. And you call on them and they do nothing. <laughs> now, Jesus says, if you need me to do anything for you, just ask. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What an incredible promise. Anything, Jesus? I anything, Jesus? Now, of course, the Bible says that we need to pray according to God's will. And the way we grow in knowing his will is to know his word. But, friends, don't wait until you feel like you know enough to start asking. Right? We sing the song, oh, what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't wait till you feel like you know everything you need to know about. Just start asking. The worst that can happen is that he'll say no. I think some Christians get, get so bound up in trying to figure out, well, what is God's will, that they never get around to asking. Through Jesus, you have access to the power of heaven. When, when I'm watching a Marvel movie, I never worry or get anxious about what's happening to the main character. Iron Man, Black Panther, any of them, whoever it is. I trust that they will get through it because they got some power. You and I are in Jesus Christ who has all power and authority. No matter what you're facing today, you'll get through it. No matter what has you anxious, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all 
right. I remember when I was young going to country churches, the old folks would sing a song that I didn't understand back then. Simple words, but I didn't, I didn't really understand the, the, the deep meaning of why they were singing it. But now I get it. Back in the day in those country churches, the old folks used to sing a song that said, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right, be all right. And then they, sing, they would sing, Jesus done told me everything is going to be all right. And the next line says, the Holy Ghost has confirmed it. Everything's going to be all right. And then I heard someone once sing, Jesus is alive, so I know everything is going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Everything is going to be all right. Thanks be to God. Amen. 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 Amen.